Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And if you've been following along with us in the saga of Microsoft's $70 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard, then you know that we've covered it from a number of different angles. The price, the terms of the merger agreement, how this was all affected by Phil Spencer's commentary and Activision Blizzard's, let's call them troubles, in 2021. And we've incorporated that all in a playlist here on the channel. This will be the fourth video on that playlist, but one of the questions that was unanswerable and frankly that we here at Virtual Legality had assumed would be handled in a similar way to the way that Microsoft had handled its ZeniMax transaction was what would happen with some of Activision's biggest properties. Most specifically, one of the biggest properties in video gaming being, of course, Call of Duty. And as I talked with you all about it in prior videos on this series, I talked about how Microsoft has evidenced how it's going to be handling things like the Elder Scrolls and Fallout and Starfield and said, I think it's very likely that whatever is on PlayStation will remain on PlayStation, but that future Call of Duty games might well become exclusive to Microsoft. Now, as of this morning, Sony started talking a little bit about what it expected to happen. Here's a Polygon article talking about a Wall Street Journal interview with a Sony representative that said, we expect that Microsoft will abide by contractual agreements and continue to ensure Activision games are multi-platform. This is in line with what Microsoft Gaming CEO Phil Spencer wrote Tuesday following the announcement, says Polygon, that Activision Blizzard games are played on plenty of different platforms and Microsoft plans to continue to support those communities moving forward. In fact, in a video we put out earlier today, we noted that Activision Blizzard had filed a few documents with the SEC that talked about the fact that they intended to honor all existing commitments and that they would be in contact if anyone had any questions with their business partners, but that they will honor all existing commitments both pre and post closing of the transaction. So much like the ZeniMax deal, it was anticipated that whatever contractual commitments existed, whether that was exclusive betas or materials that Sony would have agreed to with Activision for Call of Duty or otherwise, Microsoft didn't intend to breach any of their contractual commitments after they purchased this company, which is great. But we still had the open question of what happens after all of that. And it's a question that Microsoft has dealt with in the very recent past. On your screen right now is a thumbnail from a video we did talking about what I felt was Microsoft's muddled messaging on how it was going to handle games like Starfield, never quite committing to the fact that it would be an Xbox exclusive until they did, but months after even the closing of the transaction that saw ZeniMax become part of the Microsoft family. Going so far as to say in GameSpot's article here in late 2021, August to be precise, that they had to clarify a number of their prior statements. Now, you can chalk that up to zealous fanboys or console warriors or what have you, but I would argue from a legal and business perspective, Microsoft was deliberately opaque on these questions with respect to some of the most anticipated games in the ZeniMax stable. Well, you can accuse Phil Spencer of a lot, but you can't accuse him of making the same mistake twice. All of about 15 minutes ago, Phil Spencer, now CEO, Microsoft and Xbox Gaming, tweeted out the following. Had good calls this week with leaders at Sony. I confirmed our intent to honor all existing agreements. That's exactly what we saw in the letter that they posted with the SEC upon the acquisition of Activision Blizzard and our desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. 
Sony is an important part of our industry and we value our relationship. And I felt that this was an important piece of news, a change in the winds of what Microsoft was doing with this transaction, important enough to get a virtual legality episode of limited length and duration out to you all so that you knew this information. Now, as we do here in virtual legality, you can parse anything to your heart's content. I tend to believe that this means exactly how it reads, that Phil Spencer and Xbox intend for future Call of Duty games, regardless of what they might be called or how they are otherwise operated, to appear on Sony's PlayStation, that Microsoft Studios would be publishing a game that was made available to Sony fans through their PlayStation 5. You can, however, instead parse this out a little bit more narrowly and suggest that what this really says is, one, that Microsoft has a desire to keep it on PlayStation, but not a commitment. This isn't a promise that they will keep it on PlayStation. In fact, we have a desire to do so, but that desire might change depending on the terms that are afforded to us by our imminent partners at Sony. Of course, they say Sony is an important part of our industry and we value our relationship, but if Sony drops its share to 15%, we'll put it on. If it keeps it at 30, we won't, is certainly something that could be a part of those discussions for the more cynically minded among you. The other aspect of this that you could cynically read if you chose to do so was instead of thinking that future Call of Duty games, Vanguard 2, or whatever it might look like, will come out on the PlayStation, that all this really is is a commitment that Warzone will stay on the PlayStation. We saw something along these lines when Microsoft bought Minecraft, kept it on all the places that it was otherwise available, but certain aspects of Minecraft IP didn't necessarily make its way to every platform. So if you wanted to look at this and think Phil Spencer is lying to you, you could. You could say, well, he wants the credit for keeping Call of Duty on PlayStation, but realistically, this is just about Warzone, and it isn't even a commitment. It's just a desire to keep it on the PlayStation platform. I am not as cynical as that. I don't think that you go out in the current environment with the FTC and the DOJ rattling sabers. I might do a video very soon in this playlist about how those agencies and various Congress people are really suggesting that they want to take a close look at this transaction in the very near future. But in that environment, I don't think you go out with a message like this that is intended to be oblique that is intended to be obfuscatory or otherwise to confuse. I think this is designed to assuage and is designed to tell folks that are Sony fans that they'll still be getting Call of Duty. Now, you might ask the question, why? What makes Call of Duty different from what ZeniMax is putting out from the Elder Scrolls, from Starfield and what have you? And I think the answer to that is in the type of games that they are. Call of Duty has an enormous audience, a lot of which is often called casual, which I feel is a little bit derogatory, but certainly that plays Call of Duty and maybe almost nothing else. And that exists in a multiplayer landscape that gets a great deal of benefit from having more and more people playing it and having that zeitgeist mentality for a game of its type. Whereas the Elder Scrolls and Fallout and Starfield are single-player role-playing games that don't derive extra value or network effects from other players and are actually going to be more valuable as an exclusive on a Game Pass-like service than Call of Duty might well have been. The other aspect of this, of course, is that it provides a certain amount of logistical and experimental data 
that Microsoft and Xbox is now going to be able to use. After this deal is consummated, they are going to be able to value the increase in Game Pass subscriptions and user engagement for keeping something like the Elder Scrolls or Starfield solely on that service and in that Xbox ecosystem, as opposed to a Call of Duty product that is likely to appear on Game Pass, but which will also be sold at its rival competing platform. And in fact, if that is the case, you get almost an A-B test kind of mentality that says, does this work? Is the Elder Scrolls driving enough user engagement to Game Pass to make it make sense? Or should we also be selling it through another platform like PlayStation or through cloud services on the Switch? And more and more data will be collected by Xbox, which in my opinion actually makes this a very wise move, taking different properties and exploring different models with them in real time strategically to determine what works and what doesn't work. So I tend to take Phil Spencer on his face with a statement like this one. Let me know in the comments if you feel differently, if you're more cynically minded and you think he's trying to hide the ball a little bit here, or whether this really is a significant statement from Xbox as Microsoft seemingly turns its attention to the big tech giants of Amazon, Google, and Apple, rather than believing that they're competing against Sony and Nintendo. This has been a short form virtual legality episode for today. If you like this, if you like talking about the business and law of technology, video games, and more, please consider supporting the channel at Patreon or otherwise as listed below. Otherwise, just subscribing and telling your friends that we're here revealing these videos to others that don't know of their existence. Every single little bit helps. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.